Hi, I'm Sarah Shea. And I'm Strangely Duesberg. Welcome to the Pilot House. A podcast where we watch all the shows we missed the first time around. And try to figure out where the heck they were going with this. Hey everybody, welcome to our very first whole show catch-up. We watched the entirety of BBC's Hustle. Yes, and we recommend if you have somehow stumbled across this episode first, like you just were like, what's this Pilot House business? At the very least, you should probably go back to season two of this show and listen to the episode where we talked about the pilot of Hustle. However, we also highly recommend you watch the whole show because A, it's good, and B, is free on YouTube. So, you know. And needless to say, major spoilers in way out of order. Oh, yeah. Incoming. Yeah. We are talking about this show as if everyone listening has seen the whole thing for the most part. So, just spoilers beware. Which you can do for free. Yeah. So... All right, let's get to Do it. it. <laughs> so we just watched all of Hustle. We just watched it. Well, we just finished watching yeah. all of it. We just watched the finale of Hustle, which you folks may remember we talked about in season two, episode... 26. True Believers. <laughs> uh, that, in case you've forgotten, is uh, the UK con man show... Which ran for eight seasons, six episode seasons in the British style. Right. So many seasons. Yeah. But so few. 48 episodes. That's two seasons of like standard broadcast American television. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, it's still amazing. You were commenting the other day that it managed to get eight seasons of that show. Yeah, like it's kind it, of astonishing because like long running shows are not the norm. It, or a long running US... show will have four seasons over sixteen years or something like that. Right. Yeah, but this was all pretty tight. It was I one think. year after the other. Just yeah. Boom, right. Boom, boom, there weren't boom. any gaps. No. Yeah, it's it's kind of nuts, especially yeah. since in season four, mm-hmm. the main character, I mean the leader of the crew, leaves the show. Yeah unceremoniously between seasons like you do in the UK because they never they're never assuming they're going to get another season so they never like set up the next season at the end of the previous season right they just don't do that that's not how they roll so like he just unceremoniously leaves in between seasons and they managed to like eke out a season which a lot of shows that would have been their last season they're like eh it's not it's not as good without Mickey it's just whatever it's something that I've seen on British television a few times. Like, there's a show called Primal, which is, I think, no, Primeval. Primal is the Gennady Tarkovsky animated show. Primeval, which is, like, basically they're the Men in Black or the X-Files or whatever, but the thing they're dealing with every week is portals open through time, and then, uh like, dinosaurs come out of them. So they have to, like, catch dinosaurs on the streets and then release them back into their own time. Otherwise, it'll change history. Um... So they have to catch the creatures alive. So this is an interesting show. But, like, if you look at, like, you know how you go on Wikipedia and there's those, like, charts of the main cast and it'll say what seasons people appear in? Yeah. Nobody appears for more than three seasons, but it ran for, like, six or seven seasons, this show. Huh. And it's just, like, they just kept swapping people out. And yeah. it's, like, whatever. And not, like, not even, like, story-wise, like, on Doctor Who. It's just, like, people just didn't show up for the mission briefings all of a sudden. It's wild. You know, interestingly, just since we're on the topic, uh-huh. 
I was uh, kind of reminding myself of some of the... I ran through the uh, episode synopses yeah. on uh, IMDb to kind of like remind myself of some stuff I wanted to talk about. And I found out that Robert Glenister, mm-hmm. Ash Morgan, yeah. best character on the show, is also fittingly the only character who appears in every episode. Yeah. There's exactly one episode that Albert does not appear in. And unceremoniously, no explanation given. He's just not there. No, I think that's while he's still in prison. Yeah, but I mean, it's like, he's just, there, there's no story reason to not have him in the episode. He's not mentioned. He just yeah. isn't there. It's, it's while he's in, or he's in jail at any rate. Mm-hmm. He's like super, like, minimum security, whatever. But like, they've been, in every other episode when he's still in jail, they visit him or talk right. to him or he's got a B-plot going on where he's calling the warden or something. Yeah. But like... Yeah, in that one, he's just not there. And I think they mention him. They say, like, oh, I wish Albert was here. But, like, it, it makes sense that he's not there. It's just, it, it does feel weird, though, because it's like... And I wonder if the whole thing with him being in prison didn't have something to do with maybe, like, Robert Vaughn had some health issues or something, and he's like, I, I'm, I might be a little, like, I can only be in a few scenes. I can't be in whole episodes or something. Yeah, it's... I mean, it, it was a great idea because the way that it set up the new that new season yeah and the new team members how that played into him being in jail was like perfect yeah it's it's because i think um adrian lester like left because he was like starring he was in some like live show or something right like he was doing a stage thing and i never looked up the reason but Uh, that sounds right because that that would be something where it's like robert vaughn is like they can only get him like one day every two weeks. Yeah. And so that's how you, you shoot those. Because I, I know, like, some of the stuff I read, that their shooting schedule was that they would make two episodes at a time. And if you look at, like, the, on Wikipedia, wild. it's like all the directors who are rotating through direct two episodes. So it's like they'll direct episode one and two or episode two and three, you know, two and three. Yeah. Because they were, like, back-to-back production. So it's like... They would be film, you know, they'd film all the the Eddie's bar scenes for two episodes at yeah. once, and then move oh, to different sets. Well, that makes sense, right? Like, and it also makes sense why, like, in bet- like it's like the same like four locations, exterior locations in London where they'll be walking like in a public area, like yeah. down the riverside, but by the Thames or whatever. It was just oh like, yeah, it yeah. Oh my god! That, that, that little bit of sidewalk right along the river, yeah, they, it gets a lot of use. Yeah, but it, I, I just, I think I kind of in my brain translated that as that is nearby Eddie's bar, Eddie's bar or something sure. like that. That it's just like without thinking about it, I was like, right. that's just a place that they often hang out. It didn't, it never struck me as odd. It never made me think about the production reason. Yeah, which I, I mean, sometimes happens. With my background in film and everything, like I, I know I notice things like that, because uh, you know being you know talking to my friend Micah about like shooting schedules and things like that. Yeah. Which is like, there's so much of of like behind the scenes where they'll be like, we had to get this because we were there that day. Yeah. Or like yeah, we, we sure. And I mean, it's it's really smart. You know, they paid for the permit to shut down a certain section of sidewalk or whatever. It's like might as well get like yeah. what are we gonna shoot just one scene where somebody makes a phone call from right. that location or they have one conversation like it just makes sense yeah to shoot multiple walk and talks the same day sure yeah yeah no that makes sense 
I think I think it's really funny that we ended up like so inside baseball immediately on this conversation. Well, well, I mean, I think that's almost the only way to talk about this show because I so sort of to kind of get go back to the umbrella thinking for a second yeah. and get less granular. I love this show and yet it is deeply flawed. Oh yes. And this is this is the kind of thing I thought we would address yeah. first. Well, the fact that I think this is I just want to address I think this is the first all show ketchup we've done. It's true. It's the first it's, one where we've both watched all of it. Yeah. This is the this is the first one. So like noteworthy. Yeah. And I think it's perfectly fitting that it was hustle. That it was this well, I mean, first of all, it's a UK show, so like shorter seasons. Uh-huh. So even though it ran for years and there's a lot going on, it wasn't so many episodes. Less time commitment than me catching up on Veronica Mars. So right. We could all watch that. Less less effort than you catching up with me on Burn Notice. Right. <laughs> And but that that thing that we watched all of it like I enjoyed everything as it was happening and yet yeah. looking back over it I kept waiting for the show to move up from like for me it's a very solid B yeah and that's okay like to have something be a solid B is like it's enjoyable yeah. it's good it's Domino's Pizza like I'm not complaining <laughs> please sponsor us Domino's I'd love it Domino's Pizza I'm not complaining yeah uh but but like. I kept hoping there'd be an episode, there'd be a moment, there'd be a thing that would happen that would just move it into transcendence. Like, it would be good. And I think it had moments of yeah. brilliance where it would elevate. But then you'd have an, uh, an episode following where you'd be like, Are you, really? I think that the, one of the things about this show, at least my experience was, uh-huh. that as I got a few episodes in, I started to get really frustrated with something that they often did. But once I just accepted this is a part of the show, they're always going to do this, mm-hmm. and I was prepared for it, then it stopped bothering me. Because, like, one of the things about this show is that they're almost always conning the audience. Like, that's a thing that Leverage used to do from time to time. Yeah. But they didn't do it all the time. And I, honestly, Leverage took more liberties, in my opinion, with that premise than Hustle ever did. But, like, with Hustle, you're always going... Oh, right. Which of these people is actually a fellow con artist? Or what did they do that they didn't show us? Yeah. And that I find very annoying in a lot of other shows. But with this show, as soon as I realized, oh, that's just what the show is. Yeah. That's what the show does. That They've always either got a plan B that they didn't tell us about, or they, they knew from the beginning. Something that seemed to be a surprise to them halfway through was actually part of the con plan from the beginning. So, right. like... As soon as you get used to that. I feel like people watching the show should be informed of that, though. Because (laughs) at least very early in the show, the only way they could ever accomplish that surprise was by having... or not. It it didn't work to accomplish a surprise, but the only way that they could... They they often awkwardly shoot around things. Well, it's it's more that the characters... I think they had to make characters act out of character. Right. To justify, why would Mickey be completely taken by surprise by this mark? So he had to be just like, what? Oh, I didn't think to look into that or something. Like, oops, we forgot to check this guy's backstory thoroughly or something like that. Or, oh, no, I didn't didn't make a plan for that aspect of the thing. Whatever. It was always out of character. And then you realize at the end, oh, they were being out of character because they were in character in the con. Yeah. There's... It just... They did get better at that as the show went on. Mm-hmm. It less frequently felt like people were acting out of character. Or maybe it was just that I was prepared for it. There's also a hefty amount of shooting around things very awkwardly. Where it's mm-hmm. like, 
why are you only showing this person in profile yeah you're only showing this person from behind or yeah and it's like at a certain point like that like in some cases that reveal where you have somebody who is in the shot that you're not paying attention to and then later you see the shot from another angle and it's like oh it's him yeah like that's great yeah they did a great one in uh the one of the uh uh the second to last episode of the series where uh the young what's his name i can't remember his name um uh the brother sean 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 is what's his name they've gotten sean in as the driver for the rich guy uh, oh yeah and he's just standing there near the car staring up into space and you just see him from behind yeah until he opens the door for the guy and then you're like oh it's him and it's like it's good because like in that particular uh, setup, the driver would probably be standing off having a smoke break or something looking right. the other way. Yeah. Um, but it's like, th- there was one in particular where they like, they rented a safety deposit box or something and Stacy was the one who did it. And there's just like, there's multiple shots of, of Stacy doing it, but it's, they don't show her face. So it's just like, there's this woman who is like moving through this space I thought you were going to talk about the one... There's a, there's one where Sean yeah. has to do it. Yeah. The just... one where he has to tan. Oh, yeah. It's so stupid. It's like, he, he for exactly one hour, one, on one day, he has to pass as being... What was he supposed to be? Syrian or something like mm-hmm. that? And they've, like, got him with a UV light or whatever. Yeah, like a like, tanning bed. Tanning. But they just... It's a light. Like, he just sits in front of it. Yeah. Because it just has to be his, like, face and hands, right. right? But it's like, why didn't they just use like a spray or a lotion or something yeah. like they just wanted that shot where he's wearing the dumb little goggles right but anyway yeah but i can't remember that episode in particular yeah i'm not placing it but but that, that's the thing is is that they they committed to sort of pulling a con over on the audience yeah but because they committed to that they didn't always pull it off yeah like handily right yeah I still think they I, they deserve credit for never doing it as poorly as there's one episode of Leverage where they actually had to show scenes out of order. It was the only way to calm the audience into thinking something else was happening than what was happening. It was uh-huh. to show the events of the day out of order. And I'm like, that's surely that's just cheating. Right. And on the other hand, they pulled off some great ones. I mm-hmm. really enjoyed the one where they steal the uh, tiger statue, the gold yeah. tiger statue. That was a good one. Well, I mean, they definitely do also deserve credit for the fact that even when I was looking for it, I often didn't guess correctly. Right. Sometimes I'd kind of go, I think this guy is not what he says he is. But I still didn't know exactly how that played in or something Mm -hmm. like that. Or I'd have two theories. One of these two people is actually another con artist or something like that. But yeah, it was was hard to tell sometimes. So they did pull it off well. The one with um, uh, 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 Sean's old girlfriend who gets like... Oh yeah, she's in a hard she gets, spot. Yeah, yeah, she this the bent cop convinces her to like get in on the team and then report right. to him. The whole episode through, I was like, is she actually? I was trying to figure out at what point in the episode she would have an opportunity to tell them, I'm I'm reporting to this bent cop. Help me yeah. out of this situation yeah. or whatever. And it got pretty far into the episode before I went. Oh, I don't think she's the one. I don't think she's the secret. Right. She's not the part that we're not seeing. It's something else, and it was. You know, I think that sort of the thing that we keep dancing around and keep coming back to is the fact that when the show is good, it's great, mm-hmm. but it's not reliably great. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things where 
you have a great cast of characters, you have a great sort of world and concept, and yeah. then you're not really using it to its fullest extent. Yeah, they never quite reached, like, elevated to the level. Or they would sometimes, but then they'd fall back again. Yeah, and it's like... The fact that it took the show, I would say, five seasons to really realize how much they could do with Robert Glenister. Yes. Right? Let's talk about Robert Glenister. I mean, we should, honestly, we could just call this Robert Glenister house. And yeah. Just do a Robert Glenister podcast. Really? Now, he's, okay, uh, Robert Glenister, the actor who plays Ash Morgan, he's presented in the beginning of the show as he's the fixer, right? Yeah. They also introduced him in the very first scene he's as a flop, flop man. man. Yeah, yeah. Who is someone who purposefully gets hit by cars so that he can to... collect settlements yeah or whatever like the old-fashioned version of it i think was you just tried to convince someone to maybe give you some cash right uh, in the moment or whatever but they had they detail in the fir- very first episode in the pilot that he's got like a plate in his head or a crack in his skull that from a previous injury that's still visible on x-rays yeah and he uses that that never comes up again never comes never. up again he he only does a flop i think once in yeah. the whole show, besides the pilot, and it was like in the first four episodes or something. It was it was the the Mondrian con where they do the fake Mondrian. Yeah, and there's so many times where they could lean on that. Yeah, like like in the in the finale when he gets beat up, he could be like, "Don't worry, I'm fine. I used to do the flop." There yeah. you go. It's like I could take a bunch of hits. It's like yeah, I'm it's that like, guy. like yeah. There's that cute scene where Mickey's getting all worried about him because he's about to go into a yeah. scenario where he could get beat up, and he's like. How many cars have I been hit? I can take a few punches from yeah. these, this guy's goons. That would have been perfect. Yeah, they, they almost never even mention it, much less use it. But anyway, he's in the first season or two or maybe even three, he almost exclusively does background setup. Yeah. And then he'll do something, he'll do a short thing like, we just need to clear this street. So he'll show up and pretend to be someone who's like fixing a gas main or something, right? Like, he or he's the ambulance driver in yeah. the one with the. Uh, is that the one with the fake uh, rap producer? Yeah. Yeah, he's just like the he's driver. The, he's the driver who they like, uh, he's complaining about not having any money and his wife is still spending all his money. And that's the hint for the guy to bribe him and then he lets them go. Lets them go, quote unquote. Yeah. But yeah, it's he was always a, a bit part and he's mostly the fixer setting things up. He was the one who's building the set. He's the one who's designing the, the, the gadget. He's the bag man. Yeah, 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 and it's just like it never. He's, but he's also kind of their cue. Like he he makes little gadgets and he sets up the squibs, the cackle bladder, and all that stuff. But as the show goes on, pretty uh, organically, it happens pretty gradually. It's not like a new showrunner takes over and goes, "Oh, Robert Glenn your big fan. We're gonna get you in the show more." It's it happens pretty gradually that he starts being more involved in the cons. He plays the inside man more often. That sort of thing. Yeah, and it like by the by the time it's like season six and seven, he's playing really wildly different characters from the one he plays in the show, which that to me is the whole point and promise of the show. There's yeah. a, there's an interview with Adrian Lester where the uh, Mickey Bricks character he talks about. I've never really been interested in doing television because it seems like it would get boring. Yeah. But with this, you're kind of doing a different kind of thing every week. You get yeah. to be all these different characters and stuff, and yet for the most part they didn't have them doing that like you could have had so many like capers and things where people played against type where people played really wildly different characters and a lot of times they didn't that's true like there is the there is the episode uh where mickey goes full luther and does like that that idris elba 
like central London uh, street accent where he's like, "Do I have to come in there?" Like he he shows up and he acts like he's like, he thinks the guy is cheating on his. Oh yeah. Uh, he, he thinks he's his the, wife is cheating on the bank guy and he like gets all up in the bank guy's face. It's like, so good. You sleep with my woman, but like it's a last minute like, oh, this guy came back too yeah, yeah, yeah. soon. Yeah. I have to like fill in. So he's wearing a suit and he's because he's dressed to be talking to yeah. Mark as like a banker and he just pulls out. Yeah, that was pretty great. And I mean, they do a couple ones where he plays some ridiculous character, but it I do I do feel like the more they went against type for Mickey, the more it always felt like he was playing a caricature. Like when he plays the DJ or when yeah. he plays the rap producer. Anytime Mickey gets street, it's like, Yeah, it's it doesn't quite work. Yeah. But that's the thing is is if you're if you're putting together a show like that, that is what you should be going for. Yeah. And it seems like that was their intention, but they a couple of the leads just don't seem to have a lot of range or yeah. the range is never utilized yeah. in the show. Except Robert Glenister. Except Robert Glenister. Who's great. I mean his his uh like toff accent oh, yeah. is perfect. And also he does he's he he plays, you know, uh, a super like, you know, blue collar really well as well. And then oh, what's that episode where um Oh, and then he's he does a really good Dutch accent for just like Oh uh, yeah. I it must be that Robert Glenister speaks Dutch or something. Like he's married to a Dutch woman or something yeah. like that. There's something there, but like he there's there's a uh, one of my favorite lines and I think the entire show it's just a dumb little throwaway joke. But he's playing a very small role in the con as a, a businessman who's making arrangements with with the Mark or something. And the Mark says like, "Oh yeah, this should be uh, this should be pulled off really easily or something like that or I'm a Dutchman which is a figure of speech and Robert Glenister goes but I am the Dutchman yeah <laughs> it's like this adorable dumb joke it was like an extremely like Dutch dad joke right yeah like he probably says that every time he's in the UK he's just waiting for someone to say or I'm a Dutchman so he can do no no I'm the Dutchman <laughs> and it's it's oh it's so adorable I love that so much. I think that's why I'm so frustrated with a lot of the rest of the show that you have all these like fun characters who just get nothing to do like like Eddie the bartender who owns and runs the bar that they use as like their kind of hideout clubhouse don't get me started he hashtag justice for Eddie he he hardly ever has anything interesting to do the actor or the character he's just there and it well, it's it's worse than that. I think it's the there he's he's too much of an idiot. It's unbelievable, right? How much of an idiot he is. Yeah. They pull over. They pull one over on him too frequently. A, it's stupid. It, it's ridiculous that he's that easily fooled every time. But also, it just hurt my heart that they were that mean to him. He's their buddy. Like, yeah. First of all, he's a fucking service worker, and he pours their drinks, and he's like, his bar is like their hangout. So they should be more respectful. In fact, they should be extra tipping him, not occasionally conning him out of, like, out of their paying their tab or whatever. Like, it's just, they always have fun with, with pulling one over on him. And I just, I always hated that. I wanted the relationship to be a little more... Like maybe he was a bit dopey and he never quite understood what was going on, but they were fond of him for that or something. Instead, he's dopey and they're like, <laughs> this idiot. Yeah, because the the show doesn't really write him as a character. He exists yeah. to be the 
the the victim of like a bunch of little short change cons and stuff. Yeah, that they can like work them into the story. Yeah, it's early on in the show they did that a lot, where one of them would just do a small like, oh, if that's my you know my change, yeah. then why don't oh, you give me two tens and I'll give you a twenty, yeah. and then oh wait, I've got a five here. You know that thing where you end up yeah, yeah short change con. Yeah, <laughs> not everyone knows what that is, strangely, but like. They, sometimes they do it in order to use it later, so they wouldn't have to explain what they were doing later. But sometimes they do it just to show off. Be like, eh, it's a fun con we couldn't work into the episode, but we wanted to show you guys anyway. Yeah, and it's like right up until the second to last episode, they're doing stuff like that to him. Yeah. It's it just like, like there there is the whole thing where he loses the bar, and then they do they get a score so that they buy the bar back for him. So it's like... It felt like there were moments where they kind of made noises in the direction yeah. of they care about him, but it, yeah. And there's there's one where like he gets kidnapped or whatever, and they're they're someone someone is holding him hostage, and they they're like we'll, we'll rescue Super him. Super worried. Yeah. yeah. But the thing, but but that comes back to the the biggest issue with this show. Yeah. And I mean, some shows just aren't meant to be watched in sequence. Yeah. Like we did with yeah. this. This is a prime example. This is meant to be watched like. One a week on broadcast most, television, and maybe you miss a mo- few. Yeah. yeah, and that's the th- the thing is like, there's no consistency of any character no. or relationship over the course of the series. Like to the yeah. point where in the finale, there's two characters talking about going off and having a life together or or trying for a relationship, and yeah. I legit had forgotten that they had any sort of like chemistry oh, thing. Yeah. Like, that they had, that there was any, I was like, what is, oh, did they, oh yeah, like two oh. seasons ago, they flirted for a minute. I know, I, I remembered that. I felt like they, I was but just, it's just relieved like there, that they didn't hammer on that. Yeah, but there's no arc of, of setting it up. It doesn't feel like a payoff if you haven't spent time, there's no, not been any acknowledge of it, yeah. acknowledgement of it in the intervening time. I guess I didn't feel like it had been that long since they last referenced I mean, she got, like, there's that episode where they have to kiss, but it's part of the con. There's the episode where she gets, like, irrationally out of character jealous because he's, like, talking to another woman. She mm-hmm. almost ruins the con From because the previous she's so season. fucking jealous. Um, yeah, I guess I didn't feel like it had been that long since they'd established that they had something going on. But it, it certainly didn't feel like a satisfying ending. It felt like a very perfunctory, like... It felt like Tony Jordan, the show writer, the showrunner, yeah. went, oh shit, I forgot that these two characters were supposed to, like, have a thing. I wish we should at least, you know, make noises in the direction of resolving that. Yeah, and the, the show never really make noises in the direction of is almost like the writing style of this show. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like every time... Eddie had something big happen, right? Like his dad's was getting forced out of his, he was getting conned out of his home or something like that. His niece had gotten screwed over by a modeling agent or whatever. Uh-huh. Every time that happened, when shit hit the fan, they would come through for him. But like every other time they interacted with him, they treated him kind of like garbage. And I just, I don't know. I felt like what Scouser Publican shagged Tony Jordan's mom because he clearly hated Eddie. Yeah. Damn, like, I've been saving that line. I thought you were going to laugh at it. I saw it in your notes. Damn it, you cheater. I wasn't, I didn't, I, I, I was not expecting there to be notes. Uh, but yeah, it's like he, what is, what, like, he just has it in for Eddie. Yeah. 
And it feels so, so mean. Like that's what it is. And it that is the thing is is that I I think especially for a show that is so dedicated to this idea that you can't con an honest man and that all the marks yes. that they go after are dickweeds. Yes. Like, they make such a point of making the marks heinous people. Yeah. All of them. They're just heinous. Whether they're like pissing themselves with laughter that their father just died or like kicking old ladies out of nursing homes or like you know being like gross to women whatever they're just heinous and you're like i can't wait to see you lose everything yeah and yet they punch down on eddie constantly it's like and there's there's no so something that i've been sitting on that i wanted to talk to you about now that you've seen the whole series is that you know, there was that cute little moment at the end where, like, Eddie shuts off the lights. Like, the last the last moment is him looking over the bar, and it's like, he kind of, he closes up. Like, it's yeah. kind of a sweet moment. But, I, if I'd been running this show, yeah, one small change that I would have loved to have seen is they, they, you cast Eddie a little bit older. And throughout Which is not the, a diss on Rob Jarvis. I no, think Rob Jarvis great. is great. He deserves better. And Rob Jarvis could almost have pulled off this casting, yeah. but okay, go for it. You you cast Eddie a little bit older, and you have a bar where con men hang out, and Eddie's always getting screwed over by the con men. He's falling for the most basic cons. Same thing, exact same arc. Yeah. That has happened the whole series. Yeah. Except occasionally you pepper in references to some legendary con man who got the big score and retired, and nobody <laughs> knows who he is. And in the very last episode, you have them get their big score, and then something happens where, like, half of it disappears. Yeah. And it's revealed that Eddie has been, like... The mastermind the whole time. Not necessarily the mastermind, but it's, like, he's been this, this big con man all along, and he steals from them exactly the amount that they've stolen from him over the course of the whole series. <laughs> As this, like, a comeuppance. That, oh, that would have been great. I mean, it would have been a little over the top, but in a way that would have worked for the show. Yeah. Then you earn, like, you earn all of those moments of him falling for, like, the most basic shortchange cons and the most, like, basic bar bets. Because he it's runs like, for a him, bar. Like fun. Right. And like, it's. You let them do that so that ideally they like you and they keep coming back and they keep. It's like his, his, his insurance. Yeah. It's like flirting with a customer, you know? It's, it's why I let little kids do shit card tricks for me all the time. Yeah. Because at some point, one of those kids is going to get good enough that they're going to blow my mind, and it's going to be fun. Yeah. And it's great to encourage kids to do stuff like that. And it's like, like if that was his character. Yeah. That would have worked, especially, I think, yeah, you're right, with an older actor, and if they didn't have Albert. Yeah. Like, if he was the old guy, and they were all a team of young hotshots. Yeah. That could have that could have really worked. That would have been awesome. And you, you kind of give him this, you give him a reason to keep falling for it. Yeah. You know, and I think that's, that is the thing for a lot of the show is like, they'll do these big reveals about a character. Like there's the episode where you find out Albert has a a grown daughter that he's never met. Yeah. And he meets her and they kind of connect. And then he just forgets what time it is because he's gambling and he doesn't see her. Yeah. And she's like it's, sad. It's It was so weird because I know sometimes you watch a movie or a TV show and you can see so clearly where they're going with the story and what the emotional beat will be. But you're like, oh, that'll be great. And you're waiting for it. And sometimes they do something different and it surprises you and you're like, oh, cool. I didn't see that coming. But sometimes they just do something stupid that makes you think, oh, they didn't 
they didn't expect that I would expect that, and so they twisted it on me. They just didn't think of that obvious thing, which in that case, if he had, if the con, like, he wasn't really involved in that con because he was going no. through this emotional weird thing of finding out he has a grown daughter. I was expecting at the very end something was going to go wrong and they were going to need Albert, and Albert would have to decide between saving his team and seeing his daughter or or failing her, quote-unquote, because they, they really hammer home. She's like, Mom says you're going to disappoint me. And then he, he chooses you know, his con family over his blood family, right? Right. Instead, the con goes off fine. Everything's fine. And then they're just gambling for funsies. Yeah. One of the people who worked with them is like, hey, now I've got some money to gamble you guys with. And they're like, oh, you're going for punishment. And then he just says something about what time it is. And Eddie's like, oh, no, it's like 20 minutes past that. It's like, no reason. There's no reason for it. He just fails. Yeah. And then there's a super emotional ending where he's sitting at a card table looking de- de- just depressed, like he's ruined his whole life. Yeah. And the team just one by one come up behind him and kind of put their hand on his shoulder or something. And it's like, and that's the end of the season. And the thing is, is that... Imagine we... if they hadn't gotten another season. Yeah. That would have been such a the downer show's ending. ending. Jesus. The, and the, 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 they don't... That's not a character trait for him, that he fails people, that he doesn't show up on time, that he no. does, he's not there for people. And so, in any other piece of writing, this would be an earth-shattering thing to happen to this character. That yeah. he he screwed up so badly, such a monumental thing. Yeah, yeah. And instead, no acknowledgement of it. Whatever. Yeah, and yeah. I just the next season begins, and it never happened. It's, yeah. it's never mentioned again. Yeah, I I was very disappointed by that particular bit. And that's that is the the show is. A roller coaster of like wonderful highs and sh- shocking disappointments, but not shocking disappointments in any sort of like surprising way or or different way. It's just like there's just moments like that where you're like, we thought this would be fun, so let's let's have that happen. You yeah. know, let's just out of nowhere do this or have these guys get mad at each other or like yeah. it feels like they just kind of decided. You know, they spun the chore wheel and they're like, the, uh, Mickey and Alfred have an argument. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it, and then they write it. Yeah. There's nothing happens organically. Yeah. And there's a lot of, I mean, we've talked about this uh, previously, but something that happens throughout the show is it feels like the episodes were written by different people who, like a writer's room situation where like a new person comes in and writes an episode, but they haven't really been watching the rest of the show. So things happen in a way that doesn't make sense for an overall flow. Or two things that are too similar happen one episode after the other. The plot's like, so nice, they use it twice. I know, I referenced that just strangely yeah. one day. Because like, there's a whole episode about how Mickey gets conned by like an online scam. He buys a phone and it's a piece of garbage, yeah. right? And they're like, oh, there's a curse oh and then sean the newbies you haven't heard about this curse that if a con artist gets conned they lose their luck now forget for a moment all of the times during the show when they actually end up getting conned by someone by a fellow con artist or like like yeah. that american con artist who tricked them into thinking he was actually british or whatever yeah right forget all of those in the very last episode the previous episode to this one part of the con involved Ash buying something on the internet and Eddie sees it and goes, though, that's not a World War II bag or whatever. Like, that's yeah. not a, right? That's obviously from much later. And it's just an excuse for them to find out that Eddie 
collects World War II memorabilia, which they never knew, which I'll say, as far as a character suddenly having an interest that's never been mentioned before, it works with Eddie because they never listen to anything he says. Yeah. So he's like, I've talked about this before. Don't you guys ever listen to anything I say? And they all just look like, I mean, no. But it's, Ash gets conned by an eBay purchase. It's just a part, it's just a stepping stone to get to a next part of the plot. It's not a big deal. The very next episode, oh no, Mickey got conned by a purchase on the internet. This has never happened and it will ruin everything. And it's the basis for the entire episode. It's, it's, they did that so often. I yeah. actually texted you, like, I am begging Tony Jordan to watch his own show. Yeah. Because it feels like either they had different writers coming in, or that knowing that Tony Jordan, the, the creator and showrunner, actually wrote almost all the episodes. Yeah. It feels like he must have written them out of order. Well, I have a theory on this. And, you oh, know, I, I've told you about my theory before, but it's that Tony Jordan has uh the the like a similar like brain injury uh, <laughs> or uh, condition like uh 51st states oh right right yeah. so it's just like they're like the, the the people who love him have figured out that he just really wants to make a con man show yeah yeah because also like over the course of the show it's not like there are like 48 different interesting cons that they pull like they they do like they do the, the wire, wire like 20 times yeah it's just like... And usually they don't mention it. They just stop mentioning that they're doing The Wire. Yeah. The first time they do it... Well, the dumb thing is the first time they do The Wire on the show, which is the... F- first episode, isn't no, it? No, no, no. That's right. They do The Wire in the very first episode. Yeah. And then like a season later, someone suggests The Wire and someone goes, The Wire? Nobody's done that in a hundred years. It's like, you guys just did it. And then they continue to do it all the time. Yeah. Because the original version of The Wire doesn't work anymore. Right. But like, there's... So many variations that are essentially the same con. Yeah. And they do the whole thing uh, in that one episode where Danny is like on the outs for a con and he's just hanging out with Stacy and he's like, I'm just such a big fan of like old school grifters and old cons. And he like drops a bunch of names and Stacy's like, I didn't realize you were that well versed in like con history. But it's like, I'm not that well versed in con history and I knew all the references he dropped. And then he's like, I've just always wanted to pull one of those old cons and she goes let's do it and they do the fiddle but with the dog in the bar variation of the fiddle right and they do it and i'm like that's so easy to pull off nowadays especially with a dog that i was like i refuse to believe that pre-crew danny blue never pulled a variation on the fiddle game it's so obvious and then there's an entire episode where they do like a week of dog in the bar yeah. Because they have a friend who has a trained dog that they can borrow or whatever who Despite used to be a con artist. Despite their, their quote-unquote superstition that we never run the same con twice. Yeah, then they, there's a whole episode where they say, oh, you never run the same con twice, and then they try it and then ends up blowing up in their faces. But yeah, they they do they do that twice. There's one where the, the episode, the cold open, is like Stacy marrying yeah. this old man, and then somebody rushes in and says, that's my wife. And then they're like, well, I guess that run is over. And Stacy's like, good, I'm tired of marrying a different person every week or whatever. It's like... yeah. They're, they frequent, they're frequently depicted as taking a break from long cons and doing a bunch of short cons just to, like, raise some capital. Yeah. Or, like, kind of to take a break from the big thing. The way a traveling musician might be like, I'm going to take a year off, just, like, get a part-time job and just kind of, like, hang out and, like, take a break off from traveling or something like that. Like, yeah. they do that all the time. I guess the we never do the same con twice only applies to long cons. Maybe. I just, yeah, it's... As you yeah. said, I am begging Tony Jordan to, to watch, watch his, his own, own show. show. 
There was also some stuff, times just like big picture stuff where it was like, the very first episode they did where, oh, turns out these brilliant con artists who win every time, they got conned and they lost. It happens in like the fourth episode. Yeah. You haven't established that they're brilliant and they always win yet. So you can't do this one where you turn the tables. At the very earliest, that's an end of season one episode. And it just happened way too early. It's it's also like the... I should have been keeping track of how much money they make over the course of the eight years. Because it's like... It's got to be like close to $100 million but there, all told. But there are occasionally times when they're like scraping together money. Yeah. However much... Whenever they need a lot of money... They're like, oh, for the convincer, we need a certain amount of cash to give to the mark, but it needs to be, we've decided that for this time it needs to be real cash because we really need to convince him, yeah. right? At, no matter how much it is, it varies. Sometimes it's like 40 grand, sometimes it's 100 grand. Yeah. It, there's always a moment where they go, do we even have that much? And they're all like digging into shoe boxes and like opening up the booths yeah. at Eddie's to pull stuff out of like a hidden compartment because they're like scraping together. That's literally every pound we have. And it's like... This is one of the marked differences between the show and, and Leverage. With Leverage, it's always depicted that each one of them has... Their, their, the money is evenly split between them, and they all have plenty of money squirreled away from their yeah. previous careers and from being this team. But in this, they really seem to share... They live together, yeah. which is a weird thing that always... just It was always in the back of my mind that it's weird that they decided to have them live together given that they had no interest in dealing with the 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 fun little human moments that would result. There's like yeah, one like... where Sean brings a girl home and then she like wakes up in the morning and like sees and they're all eating breakfast at the same time and she comes in and like half dressed and is like, yeah. Oh, you must be Sean's friends or whatever. It's like it's one of the only times that they deal with the weirdness of them all living in one space. Like how do you even find a big fancy apartment with like six bedrooms. Yeah, it's just like like. Uh... Who does the shopping? And who buys coffee? Who notices when they're running out of toilet paper? Like in the first, I think in, in one of the seasons they're living in a hotel. Explains all of that, right? They don't have to worry about cleaning. <laughs> I think they're probably just wiping their asses with money. Like <laughs> who's cleaning the apartment? We're out of cash. Where did it go? Obviously, this is something the show decided. We just don't want to deal with that. We're not interested in yeah. those stories. But then why not let them all have their own apartments and then they have one place. Where they always meet to talk about cons around. Well, it's also like they all live together. Why are they going to Eddie's bar to have their conversation? It's like, yeah. well, guys, want to have a con meeting? All right, let's all go downstairs. Yeah. Like, also, well, we're all here. There's one where Eddie gets mad at them for something they did that was super petty. And he bars them from the bar. Yeah. And the whole episode, they, like, can't figure out where to eat. They're, like, eating takeout and going, like, Ugh. And, like, one time Mickey cooks. Yeah. And it's like garbage. It's like, why is Mickey cooking for anyone else? They should just be all on their own. Also, they can afford to eat in restaurants or get really good takeout yeah. anytime they want. But they act like Eddie's is the only place they ever eat. Although they're depicted it as eating at Eddie's very infrequently. Like, they mention that he serves food, but it almost never happens. It's just like, how does he keep food stocked? Anyway, this there's little logistical things like that that I just kept thinking about. And I'm like, it's clearly not important. Repeat to yourself, it's just a show. You should really just relax, in the words of MST3K. But they didn't have to have them live together. I guess that's... Why do that when they didn't want to deal with it? And I mean, maybe we've hit on why the show was able to get eight seasons. Is that 
I mean, there, there could be some other reason, but you have them all live together, so you have one set for, for where they live. Yeah. And then the bar is the only other set. Yeah, I guess, it, yeah, if, if you had them all living in different apartments, at some point you'd have to show occasionally one of their apartments. Right. Although I would consider that a, a, a reasonable suspension of disbelief if they all lived in different places, but they very rarely showed them. Yeah. To sum up... Tony Jordan needs to watch his own show. Yeah. I mean, I, th- this is one of those pieces of art where I just, I desperately want to know the key piece of information that will explain what's going on here. Yeah. You know, like, there's some, sometimes you, you there's a movie and it's just like, I can't remember, there was some movie with, with like Peter O'Toole and some other famous actor and they're both in it. It's a big deal that they're both in it. And then you watch it and it's just shot so weird. It's all over the shoulders. Mm-hmm. And you realize that, these two famous actors hated each other's guts. And so they just shot it with body doubles and the dudes were never in the studio at the same time. Oh, why would you even, yeah. Why do you even do that? But it's like, like, then you, you know, that piece of information. It's like, ah, this is what's going on. here. Yeah. Often there is something like that. You go, Oh, all right. I guess that's, it's unfortunate. It affected the, the finished product. So, uh, so much, but yeah, at least it lets you get let go. Yeah, or like, you know, when you find out that, like, a famous actor passed away before finishing filming their role. Yeah. And, you know, they, you know, like, the whole Paul Walker thing in uh, Fast and Furious 7 or whatever, where it's like, they they re-edited his, you know, they kind of moved everything around to kind of give him a plot and have him retire from the crew. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's awkward as hell like yeah. anybody who followed that series knew that he had passed away and was just excited to see a little bit more of him and kind of have this moment yeah but if but, you saw that movie out of context like if somebody years down the line yeah. just stumbles across that one movie and watches it they're gonna be like god this is awful yeah why is this edited so weird and that's the thing is like i'm i, I would be so interested to know if there's some sort of weird behind the scenes something happening on hustle yeah that is leading to like this odd, like like the thing I mentioned earlier, where they're shooting two episodes back to back, yeah, like simultaneously. It kind of makes a little bit more sense that like they're on a very tight production schedule, yeah, and probably on a very tight budget if they're they only have two standing sets available, because like a lot of times it's like they'll go to some like sometimes there'll be an episode and they'll go to some rich person's house and it's like they got a legit rich person's house, yeah, and sometimes it's like a beige corridor. With, like, a single vase on a plinth, and you're like... Yeah. And that's just the kind of stuff I would really love to, to hear about. Yeah, same, Because it's like, I want to know why this piece of art is this way. Yeah. Well, the whole thing with them shooting two episodes back-to-back, if the weird thing I had noticed was that they are constantly returning to the same locations two episodes in a row, and it's really weird, that would explain that, right? Yeah. The fact that it's story elements is not explained, unfortunately, by them. No. <laughs> Unless they were like, oh, they always did two writers back to back. I mean, like, they got some really uncreative writers. Yeah. Or the writers did not know. They were asked to write two episodes and they didn't know they'd be used back to back. So they thought, oh, I'll be safe using, this will be my little signature. Someone always gets conned by an online yeah. purchase. Or, oh, God, there was another one that drove me absolutely bonkers and now I've forgotten it. But it was something that Danny did in two episodes in a row. But it wasn't treated as if it's like, oh, Danny, back at it again with white vans. It was yeah. like, uh, there's one episode, oh, where Danny, uh, they lose all the money at the end uh-huh. of the con. They're like, 
wow, something went wrong, we got conned, or something happened and we lost all of the money. We are out all of that money. Right. And Danny goes, oh, except for this little bit that I saved or whatever, that happens. And everyone goes, oh, Danny, give us some of that money. And then they, ha wacky ending where they're chasing Danny or whatever. Right. That happens two episodes in a row. I it was like, why are you doing this to me, Tony Jordan? What have I done to you? Also, Danny is the worst character. Um, I felt like we should at least address that at some point. Danny is horrible. Sure. He never he never grows as a character. He he gets worse, if anything. Um, he's just terrible. The season where he's the leader for no reason uh, is barely tolerable. Yeah. Um, but in case anybody watches the show, I, I can't imagine you getting this far into this recap if you haven't watched the whole show, but if you have... Please don't give up because Danny is horrible because the the, the post-Danny seasons are worth waiting for. Yeah, it, it's... He was not the one that was the most frustrating to me. Really? Yeah. Just because it's like... Do tell. I mean, I could see what they were trying to do with him. And they're, they're trying to make him this kind of like lovable scamp who's maybe like sort he's of the... not lovable. I know he's not lovable. <laughs> I said I could see what they were trying okay, to do with okay. him. And he's not lovable. Yes, yes. But the most frustrating character for me was Stacy. Because it was something that you noticed right away in the pilot. Yeah. That she doesn't really... She has no personality. She has no personality. And, like, there's these moments throughout the show with her where she's, like... She's, like, the Wendy to this gang of boys or whatever. But it yeah. just... It never... Nothing ever clicks in. She never... Like, in the way that Robert Glenister's character, you kind of... You get to see him grow and do more and more and more. And... You know, Mickey at least gets sort of. He has these moments where you know he try he the, the way they write him back to the show after the season where he's gone is like he tried to go do a really big con and failed at it. So now he's back with the old gang. You yeah, know? it's like there's kind of some there's some some larger world stuff at least being made noises in the direction of. Yeah. But with Stacy, it's just like well, you know, every con man crew has to have a hot broad, and yeah. she's the. You know. Yeah, I, I was I was also very frustrated, but I didn't hate Jamie Murray. Oh, I felt no, like Jamie no, no. Murray did a great job. I thought that uh, Jamie Murray did a great job. She maybe didn't elevate the material, but it's hard sometimes to elevate really bad material. Or when you're not given anything to elevate, right? I felt like Mark Warren elevated the badness of his character. I, ignore, I very often will say, I hated this character, but I don't want to hate on the person. Now, Mark Warren might be a nice person in real life. I'm not saying he's a bad guy. But I found him in particular annoying. In addition to the writing, I also found his acting annoying. And I thought that he just leaned into the badness of the character personally. So that's why he was more annoying to me than Stacy. Because Stacy, at least, I got, I grew kind of fond of her over time. Yeah. Even though I was frustrated that the writers hadn't given her or Tony Jordan hadn't given her much of a personality. I still was kind of fond of her, and I sort of had hopes that maybe she would get to do something. So it was a bit sad when she left. But then Emma shows up as the replacement hot broad. Yeah. Uh, fit bird? What do you people say? Fit bird. Uh, posh fit or mucky fit? Oh, uh, posh fit with a hint of mucky? <laughs> Which honestly is like a, I feel like is a fair description of a lot of characters I've seen in Dear Varma play. But when Emma shows up, Immediately, she had a thousand percent more personality and background and like de de depth, yeah, than they ever gave to Stacy, and I didn't understand why because it didn't seem like 
oh, this actress is just doing a way better job. It just honestly felt like they were writing a more complete character. Yeah. They still made noises in the direction of her having some sort of romantic thing with Mickey, which they hinted in the pilot with him and Stacy, and then almost never... It's brought up once or twice, but it's always other people's perceptions of them. It's not It's not anything to yeah. do with the two of them. Which I'm fine with the relationship being written that way. Oh, yeah. No, that was fine. I, it was, I like that. When yeah. It's like... It's none of your business, and it is not pertinent now. Yeah, yeah. It it felt uh, outside of the show. It felt like they had planned something and then changed their mind. But it's yeah. like that's fine. I, I I would rather she didn't have a relationship with him. So I'm just saying when they brought in Emma, even though they were repeating that note in the sense of she also kind of has a bit of a thing with Mickey. Um, she's so much more developed and like independent and like a person. Yeah. Um. However, the one thing I I will say I think they did better with Stacy actually than Emma, or at least just from my perspective, was that Emma's one big repetitive feminine trait, quote unquote, was that she loves shopping. She says a big pile of money and goes, oh, that would buy a lot of shoes. She says a giant diamond and goes, God, that would make a great necklace. Somebody gives her just a shopping list of things they need for the con. She goes, ooh, shopping, my favorite job. And it's like... It, it. I always thought that aspect of her character didn't fit the rest of her character, especially. Although she is always dressed to the nines. Yeah. And it's, it's fine that she likes nice things, right? But it felt like the character, the writing, always had her mention it, to remind you, real girl love shopping. Whereas Stacy's one big feminine characteristic was that she was really maternal with the team. Mm-hmm. And I really liked that. That was my favorite thing, possibly, about Stacy's character overall. Was that she was she wasn't immersed romantically involved with anyone on the team, and aside from Danny, who was constantly flirting with her or outright assaulting her, um, the rest of the team she just they were just like, you know, like Albert might as well have been her grandfather and Ash her uncle. Yeah. And Mickey, aside from that that hint in the pilot that there had been something maybe in the past between them, um, it was just like more more brotherly than anything else, like. Yeah, the way that she would just hug them or give them a kiss on the cheek, I loved that about her character. I liked that softness. Yeah, and it it works if you if you are leaning into this sort of like surrogate family dynamic. Mm-hmm. And there are, there are some really nice moments with with the, in the Stacy seasons where like they have a day off and they're all just kind of hanging out. And they they there's like mo- the moments where you just let those characters hang out with each other and like play cards or something. They're yeah. really lovely. Yeah. But I, I think that's probably the source of a lot of the frustration with Danny is that he's the outsider of that. And even when they start, he's written to be the outsider. Of yeah. Because he's the newest one in the crew. Sure. And da, 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 da. And he's, he's the audience avatar. He he's, needs to be taught. Right. And he's frustrated that he he doesn't feel wholly integrated into that. And even though they keep telling him he is, it's like, you're part of it. You're one of us. He's not keyed into it. And I, I think that that, I think that is the kind of of writing character trait that you either, that you have to resolve. You can't have, yeah. am I part of the crew yet? Be a will they, won't they for years. Yeah. You can have that be something that over the course of a season, but then it's like in the season finale, the character has the, you know, the, the, the come to crisis moment and like f- decides. Yeah. And it's decided, or he leaves the show. But yeah. you don't have him constantly 
fighting with the leadership and it was like everything. Oh, it's just like God. Every he doesn't. Time. Yeah. The whole season after season of Mickey and Danny are fighting. But it's like he's introduced as the new guy who comes begging Mickey to teach him. And then immediately he changes from that character. I'm the new guy who I, I like to bluster a lot, but ultimately I recognize I need your help. Yeah. He immediately turns into, I'm just as good as Mickey, and why aren't I the leader of the crew? Immediately. And then that is their relationship for the entire rest of the run of the two of them being on the show. Yeah, it's like it's like the 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 Lost in Space show. It's like why the fuck do they keep not killing Doctor Smith? Like at a certain point, like their vil the show's villain arrived on the planet with them and basically like lives with them, and he's the one who always does the thing that like puts them in danger. It's like at a certain point, just drop a goddamn rock on him, like. You need to kill him. He keeps almost, like, destroying your family and, like, making deals with the Satan demons out of the butthole portal or whatever. Like, just, I never, I've never really watched it. It's, it's just a, it's a thing that happens in episodic television like yeah. this where it's just like, why are you keeping this guy around? Yeah. It's like on, yes. on, on TNG. Wesley is, the, uh, is an example, in my opinion, of, uh, of the same kind of character. Where you have this this character who wants to be a part of things, who keeps extending themselves beyond their abilities, who challenges authority sometimes because he wants to be taken seriously and all of that. But then over time, you give him an arc where he learns lessons about responsibility. He gets better at things. Yeah. He starts becoming a part of the crew. Yeah. And then at the point where his growth needs to go beyond that, he leaves the show. Yeah. As opposed to Danny, who just is an asshole yeah. all up in there constantly. Yeah. And every now and then, it's like the show would go, oh, are we making Danny too much of an asshole? Well, let's have one episode where everybody suddenly loves him or he does something really great. Yeah. And then they'd be like, well, okay, well, we relieve that tension. We can go back to writing him as a complete dick. Because there's that whole episode where he's like fighting. Oh, it's the Henderson challenge one where yeah. like, Albert makes up a fake challenge between two con men that they have to, if they're like fighting for supremacy in the crew, yeah. they have to be dropped n naked in the middle of the city and then whoever gets the most money at the end of the day wins or whatever. Mm -hmm. There's a part where he's talking to Stacy and he's like, do you really hate Mickey that much or something like that? And he's like, of course not. I love him. And I'm like, um, excuse me? Since when? In what way? Why are you such a dick to him if you love him so much? And then at the end of the episode... They both go like, ah, oh, I love you, buddy, and like have a hug or something. And it's like, no, they kind of hate each other. Yeah. Mickey takes the high road, but he still clearly doesn't like Danny. Danny doesn't take, Danny takes the low road every time, the lowest possible road. He burrows underground to find a lower road if possible. I th that could be the tagline for the entire series. Why are you such a dick to him if you love him so much? Yeah. Him, Eddie. Yes. Yeah. That was a good point. Still... Still, all of that having been said, yeah. I still find Stacy more frustrating just because she's the only female character in the show. That's fair. That's totally fair. And and especially with um, I haven't watched nearly as much Leverage as you, and it's been years. But the yeah. the female, the two female leads on that show, are at least in season one that I've watched. There's um, Piper. Is that the the one with the the like yes. the thief? Yeah. Piper and um, what's her name? The the mysterious woman. 
Sophie. Sophie. Piper. Give me a second. It's been a while since I watched Piper it. and Sophie as characters are like, the fact that I remember Piper's name this long, I, I, I don't think I've watched an episode of Leverage in like six years or something. Yeah. But it's like Piper has character. She's she's all over the map. She's all over the shop. She's a loose cannon. You don't know what she's going to do. You know, the, the flashback in the, in, the, um, in the pilot, she like blows up her foster home because they took away her teddy bear. You know, it's like. Right, yeah. That's a, that character has. There is more character to her in... Parker. Parker. God, Thank I knew you. it. You said Piper and I went, yeah, but wait. No, that doesn't... Every but, time you said it, right. it felt more wrong and I Googled it. It's <laughs> just like, there is there is more personality to Parker in Parker's like 90 second character introduction. Yeah. Then they're, you know, because they're like, who are you thinking? Parker. Parker. Parker's crazy. Yeah. And then they show the flashback of like Parker blowing up her foster home as like yeah. a seven year old yeah. to get her stuffed rabbit back. It's like, yeah, Parker is crazy. Yeah. And, and like, it's like, I want more of this character. I want her to appear everywhere. I want her to do her little like matrix wire ninja thing, yeah. like into every scene. It's yeah. great. But Stacy is like, yes, she's gorgeous. And yeah, she's maternal, but it's like, Oh, a beautiful woman holding the boys together? Like... Yeah, I admittedly that's not great. Yeah. But just in contrast to the one major cliche, admittedly cliche, feminine trait, I, I'll i take her being kind of like sweet and maternal, which is contrary to being a con artist, you think? Yeah. Over, I love shopping and money and buying jewelry and shoes. It's like, okay. But having, for having that be an Emma trait after she lived on the streets with her brother for years and, like, that's kept true. them both alive. Yeah. That's that's why I, I don't It's like that it. cat in Fresno at the house you stay at sometimes that, like, Aww. was a rescue cat and now it just eats all the food, including rest, all the human food. Rest, rest in power. Annie yeah. the cat from Fresno who ate half my loaf of bread. Yeah. It's just like that, that, you know, that kind of thing, though. It's, it's like, you know, if you've, if you've had a lot of deprivation, you're going to be yeah. more acquisitive. Right. Which, but which that I is, totally get that for a character. And, I yeah. doubt that is intentional on behalf of the show. That's, that is something that I would argue, too, is that they, they never mention it in the context of, no one ever says, like, boy, your sister's really serious about her shoes. And I'm like, well, you know, when we were 14, she wore plastic bags on her feet for a whole week so yeah. that we could eat. So, yeah, she's kind of into shoes. Like, one line like that would be, like, legit. Yeah. Legit. Instead, they never mention that. They never address that a- aspect of it. They just... Sh- and and Sean... I guess Sean does, like, the... He, he definitely goes in for designer clothes once they join the crew and they actually have money. But he doesn't talk about it as much because he's a guy. So, of course, he doesn't. Yeah. It was, it's one of those things where, like, I think that's a larger problem, too. It's just, like, why any of this why are you guys doing this yeah you're all wildly intelligent insanely talented people yeah and you're doing this this con artist thing and you're always broke yeah like it's, what's it's, the motivation here like and I, I guess wonder... that that is something that like that's one of the things that I like about Danny yeah just to, to have one positive thing in there sure is He's the only character who ever says anything about, like, I just think cons are so cool. I just, like, I want to be part of cons because I think classic cons, you know. I just think they're neat. Yeah, it's like, okay, I know why you're here. Yeah. But there's, like, there's there's not really, like, you know, 
why are you all doing this? Like, I get you like to hang out. I get you like to get the score and the money and whatever. But you know what I, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, I don't understand the motivations of these characters in this world sometimes. It's yeah. like, this just seems like there's got to be an easier way to make money, you guys. Like, Well, it just it also just doesn't make sense that they're constantly losing so much money. I mean, part of the pulling the, the, the long cons is it costs a lot of money to pull a long con, right? Yeah. Sometimes just the straight up cash you have to present as the convincer, but also clothes and offices and hiring other con artists to be guests at a party or whatever. And sometimes they have to walk away or it doesn't work. So like they kind of do mention that, they address that. But yeah, it's one thing I am glad that they stopped doing uh, that kind of plays into this is early in the show, every season they had a different headquarters and it was always a big deal how they got into the headquarters and why they had to leave it. The beginning of the season, they would find a place. Right. At the end of the season, they would get found out or get blown Evicted up or something. Or something. Yeah. yeah. They had to leave. And it got a little tiresome because they kind of ran out of, like, excuses for finding new places. And there was a whole season where they ended up in this, like, swanky penthouse that Eddie was supposed to be kind of keeping an eye on while the owner was, like, in Dubai for a year. Uh-huh. And it was like... They just move in. He's like, guys, you can't, you can't, I can't, I'm not authorized to like sublet this. I was trying to sublet you my other friend's apartment, not this, the penthouse, you know. Well, they don't own anything and they never need to take a shit apparently. Yeah. Yeah. Right. The only people who eat out of their fridge are guests. Yeah. I just was like, how, how are they going to leave a year later and leave no trace that they were ever there? And if they, if they leave a trace or they ruin, break anything, whatever, like Eddie's going to be the one in trouble. Like again, it's getting Eddie in trouble. Yeah. And then there was one where they like the, oh, the, the, the Mickey list season, they start the season. No, that wasn't the Mickey list season. There's one season where they start the season and they're in this like shitty house. Yeah, that's the one where they end up in the Dubai apartment. Oh, is it? Okay, yeah. yeah. They're, they're in this shitty, shitty house. Like, the plumbing doesn't work, and yeah. it's, like, smelly, and they're dead rats or whatever. And they're, like, two things had to happen for them to end up there. One, they allegedly pulled a con in Vegas, and Danny fucked it up. Like, he grabbed the wrong of the two identical suitcases, and he grabbed the one with the fake money instead of the one with the real money. Yeah. And, like... He goes, oh, just, they're identical suitcases. It could happen to anyone. But they're like, well, yeah, but it's also your fault we can't book into a hotel because you used fake credit cards in too many of the hotels yeah. and now you're on their shit list. So it's like, it's entirely your fault we're in this shitty house. And it's like, okay, the, you, you don't have to go to a high roller hotel, right? Those are the ones you're blocked from. Just go to a normal hotel. Yeah. Go to a fucking... I don't know, go to a Marriott Courtyard, whatever they call it. Go to a fucking Four Seasons. Yeah. That would be better than this shitty house. It just, they, they they wanted to, you actually address something interestingly early in the show because that stuff kept happening to them and you were like, I wonder if Tony Jordan has some kind of like tense relationship with his obsession with con artists. Yeah. Where he loves the idea of it, but he feels like, no, but they are criminals and they break rules and they steal money and that's bad. And so they must occasionally be punished. Yeah. Because it happens a surprising amount, especially in the first couple seasons. They kind of let go of it. But it happens a lot where they end up getting conned or they end up losing all the money or they end up in a shitty situation. And yeah. it's like, you felt that, that honestly, I buy that, that he's got some kind of weird thing where he's like, but I must also, like the Hayes Code thing where yeah. if someone did a crime in old movies, they had to be shown not profiting from it or being punished. Right. Or something. 
And I, I wonder if there's like some sort of weird holdout kind of thing like that. In the UK where like you have to have a certain number of episodes in a crime show where... Yeah, where the, the crime doesn't get, pay. Yeah, I don't know. But it, it, it fades off after a while. And after a while, they just occasionally change headquarters. Yeah. And it's not addressed. And it's like, that's fine. That's fine. I don't need a whole storyline of how you ended up in this penthouse. Well, one time they were in a hotel and like part of the con was that they had to trash the place. Yeah. And I thought, oh, this is going to be their way of, like, ex- excuse. But then they end up back in that hotel again. Yeah, they just fix it up. They it's just fix ridiculous. it. ridiculous. Like, how did they not get kicked out of that hotel for, like, trashing the, the, the room? Who knows? I don't think Tony Jordan watches his own show. I don't think even he knows. Well, before we wrap up, I really want to take just a little moment you to You want do... to do a segment, don't you? I want to do a segment. Guys, I love segments. All right. Well, you could do one segment. Okay, so. thank you. Okay. I have one planned. Yeah. And that is our classic segment from our usual episodes. Now, normally this is where we would talk about anyone in the episode that we recognized, a character actor or a fun fun casting. And I wanted to take a moment to recognize a few of those uh-huh. from over the course of the whole show. Right. Now, strangely, I know I have a list. Do you have anyone you want to mention that was like your fave? Uh, we we already mentioned her. Her name Indira. Indira Varma. Yeah, she she was the the big one for me. I mean, there's other yeah. people that recognize you know John Barrowman or whatever, but yeah, she was the one who showed up, and I was like, and it seemed like they were setting her up to be like a regular antagonist, and yeah. I was like, this show just got ten thousand times better, and then she's not on the show anymore. Yeah, they like technically have like a pre-recorded video of her in a later episode yeah. and I was just like come on yeah the only reason I was relieved she didn't become a regular is that uh there's this other show Human Target that uh-huh. I'm a huge I was I was a huge fan of the first season was great the second season is bad in a lot of ways because they had a new showrunner but one of the ways was they introduced her and it was not her fault but they introduced her as this new character and there's the new character and what that new character meant for the show was like Ugh, seriously? But she was great. Yeah. And in fact, uh, a posh fit with a hint of mucky was like, oh, that's a pretty uh, fitting description for both of those characters. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. feel like. Um, and her character on Game of Thrones and her character on Carnival Row. It's, it's, I think it's just a pretty good description of her. Oh, seems yeah. Like. I, I honestly, I've seen her in like bit things other yeah. places, but I, I haven't seen uh, either of those shows. So She's I didn't. fantastic. She's great. I do really enjoy her. Okay, uh, and I I also mentioned uh, John Barrowman, a, a, a total fave for both of us. Yeah, although I was a little disappointed with the episode. It was a good episode, but I was just like, oh, I guess I wanted John Barrowman to do. You got more. John Barrowman in there, like just give him and Mickey like a, a whole sexual tension. Yeah, gay well, he was kind of he was kind of henpecked by his wife. Yeah, and I was like, I just, honestly I would have been happy for it just to be him. I mean that that interplay between the characters was great. It yeah. was just. The episode was fine. I wish John Barrowman had been in a different episode. Yeah. I wanted him to play a con man, which he kind of was, but he was a shitty con man. He was yeah. a mark because he was a scam artist, right? Yeah. So I was like, oh, I kind of wanted him to be fun and maybe like play one, pull one over on the team or whatever. Yeah. So that was a little bit of a letdown. But he was in the thumbnail, so I knew he was coming. Yeah. But those, those two were my, my big two. I mean, there's other people I kind of vaguely recognize, but yeah. in terms of being like, it's that guy. Yeah. Well, there were two appearances uh, from people from the 95 BBC uh, Pride and Prejudice, uh-huh. which I'm always, I always recognize, which Anna Chancellor, who plays Caroline Bingley in the uh, P&P, yep. 
was the uh, uh, sleazy uh, agent, the model agent yep. in the, yep. that one. And then uh, Rupert Van Sittert, who plays uh, Mr. Hurst in Pride and Prejudice, who I've seen in so many British shows, and he just always plays the same, like, total bore. Like, oh, I say, they really, the poor people do just walk around the streets. This day, blah, blah. And he's the guy who's like, I mean, you have to be able to just buy a title. These days, you have to actually do things. It's oh, ridiculous. Yeah. But in the end, he's actually good because Albert tricks him into thinking that if he buys the the retirement home where Eddie's dad lives yeah. and runs it really well, that'll ensure him the title he wants. So yeah. he goes, I'll make this the best damn yeah. retirement home in the country. And it's yeah. like, oh my God, they tricked him into being a good person. I love that. So good. Um, Mark Williams, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, Mr. Dursley, also Father Brown. Yeah. Uh, and and having him play like an utter, like, you crap. know, I mentioned, I mentioned that they make the Marks just like, absolutely the shittiest yeah. people ever totally and, sleazy yeah. a, a former game show host yeah. just constantly walking around being like hey, you all know me and people are like who the fuck and having him play that kind of character which is against the type of the two roles that I most know him from yeah. Father Brown yeah. and Mr. Weasley was just like sorry Mr. Mwah. Weasley I said Mr. Dursley yeah it was just, that's Richard Griffiths totally different guy it was just it was just wonderful yeah yeah, he plays such a wholesome character usually. Yeah. For him to play something sleazy, it just seems like they did it on purpose. They found out they could get Mark Williams and they wrote, ooh, let's make him sleazy. It'll yeah. be so fun. And you could tell he's playing it with relish. Oh, yeah. Um, Patterson Joseph plays Dexter Gold in the Gold Scam uh-huh. episode. Uh-huh. Um, he's the Marquis uh, de Carabas in the original Neverwhere series. Yes. And I've just seen him in a bunch of other stuff. He's in Jekyll. He delivers the best line in that miniseries. Someone says, have you ever killed somebody? And he says... No, I have people for that. <laughs> it's a great line. Um, he's delightful. Uh, uh, Nina Sasania, uh, who is uh, Linda Runcorn, the fake restaurant reviewer, uh-huh. who turns out to be one of the, their fellow con artists. Yep. Uh, she was in Good Omens. I've seen her in a bunch of other stuff, but the most recent thing I saw her was uh, Good Omens. She's delightful. Um, Adam James, who plays Carlton Wood, who's like the the guy they face con who just screams, at them yeah like that's the only way for him to get out his anger is just to scream arse anyway um i previously saw him in a very different role playing the prince in much ado about nothing mm-hmm. the stage version with tenet and tate anyway just a completely different role it took me until the second appearance of that character for it finally go like why does this guy's voice seem so familiar to me oh because i saw a film stage production i couldn't see his face very well because it was pirated because the national theater has a shitty proprietary player that even though i paid for it i couldn't get it to play anyway uh, those are those are my main ones. I just wanted to. Oh, and Michael Smiley plays the art forger in the comic book episode. It's a oh, brief yeah. role, but he's like this kind of jokey, fun guy who's yeah. like, "Eh, hey, that was fun," and they was it was my kid who was part of the con, and like, yeah. ah, this little scamp. Immediately after seeing that, I didn't recognize him in that. Immediately after that, I started watching the Irish crime show Dead Still, where he plays this very stuffy Victorian photographer. He takes pictures of dead people, and he's just very like. I'm emotionally stunted. It's like, well, yeah. that's quite a different character from his, like, fun art forger guy. Yeah. I did finger guns when I said fun art forger guy, if that helps you guys great space work. really see what the character was. Anyway, that's that's all the people I wanted to mention from the bad guy segment. Thank you for uh, indulging me. Of course. But, so, Sarah, as we're sort of winding down on this, yeah. 
do you have any points that you didn't get a chance to make? Just like almost not quite rapid fire, but yeah. anything you want to address that we haven't talked about yet? On the subject of Ash being the best. Yeah. And uh, being the honestly the most consistent character mm -hmm. throughout the entire show. And I got to put that down to Robert Glenister because clearly it wasn't that Tony Jordan just had like a, a brain uh, right. moment and just like every now and then would write Ash perfectly. Uh, there's this great episode where they have to work with this like inner secret international jewel thief who's like the ghost or something like that. Yeah. And when they first bring him in, Danny and Mickey approach him and Mickey says who he is and he goes, oh yeah, Mickey Briggs, I've heard of you. And Danny's like, oh, you probably heard of me too, Danny Blue. And he's like, nope. And then he turns back to Mickey and goes, you're still working with Ash Morgan? And he goes, yep. Then eventually he comes to them. He shows up secretly because the ghost. And then he says... I admit the thing that convinced me was uh, getting a chance to work with Mr. Morgan here. And he just walks over to Ash and is like, Mr. Morgan, I'm a, I'm a huge fan. Like shakes his hand and Ash is just like, oh, thanks. Yeah. Not part of the plot after that. Totally no. unrelated. It's not like, and then that's significant to the con. Yeah. It's just a line. And I was like, that's random. But also I'm glad the show acknowledged that Ash is the best. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, was that in uh, Robert Glenister's contract for the new season? Hey, um, I need my character to be complimented more in the season. But it's yeah. just, it was out of nowhere, but I loved it. And then also there's um, another moment I really love in, in Ash's character is when they uh, they end up having to like work with, for MI6. There's like corrupt uh -huh. MI6 agents, like get them to do a con for them. And at the very end, when they're about to like, I mean, Mickey's going in to do the brush off and be like, Turns out I was calling you the whole time. He's like, this might not work. I mean, these are MI6 agents. This is this is bigger game than we're, yeah. we're used to. Um, they could disappear us and it would be fine. So he, like, books fl flights for everyone, gives them false IDs, says to Emma, like, look after Albert. And then he says to Ash, like, you know, go with the rest of them. And Ash is like, uh, no. <laughs> I'm going in there with you. Yeah. And it's like, fuck yeah. Yeah. Ash ends up at the end of the show being almost equal to Mickey in the crew. He's only not the run the 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 leader because that's he coming up with cons is not his forte. Yeah. He's not the mastermind to use the leverage term. And but he's just as important and just as vital and just as good at what he does and just as smart. Mm -hmm. And I like that moment of him being like, "Nah." And also that's a, there's a beautiful moment in the finale where he says Mickey says you can't get a kidder and he says because he was trying to pull one over on Ash for something. Yeah. And Ash says, nah, you can kid anybody except a mate. I'm like, I just <laughs> started singing. Caught in a red romance. I love their relationship over the, or, so great. Over the show. It actually goes pretty well with the two of them through, yeah. throughout the whole show. Yeah, the looking at the entire show as an arc of the friendship between the two of them, that, that actually... It, I don't, now that I think about it, I wonder if that was a thing that the people working on the show were like, let's let's have more of this. Yeah. Uh, if there was one thing I would believe that they were intentionally thinking about over the arc of the show, I would believe it was that, those yeah. two characters. On the other hand, it could have just been the two actors just had good chemistry yeah. off camera as well as yeah. on, and they're like, let's they just, just keep doing more. And Robert Lannister is just the best, so he just did a great job. I gotta say, guys, um, I always loved Ash from the very beginning, but when in about like season four, mm -hmm. the, uh, I don't know, maybe season five, mm -hmm. the costume designers finally figured out how to dress this man. Oh, yeah. Is when the crush kind of fully blossomed. <laughs> I, lo I just loved the character, and then they finally stopped putting him in like fucking turtlenecks. 
I was like, also, why is the show obsessed with putting Mickey in purple? He wears purple so often, and it just... I never felt like it fit the character in a weird no, way. No, it's, it's like he's royal or something. I don't... Yeah. The king of the con men. He just wore a lot of purple, very yeah. loud purple and yeah. pink ties. Anyway. Well, Sarah, <laughs> for uh, sort of the final thing. Yeah. Would you recommend the show to other people now that you've seen all of it? Yes. Final verdict. I absolutely would. Uh, definitely, I would let people... I think I might give people a hint about, like, they're going to con the audience a lot. Just be... Just accept that. I might let them know that, maybe. And I'd say, it, it has ups and downs, but it's worth sticking through the whole thing. Uh, but yeah, I, I would I would tell people, especially anyone who enjoys con artist stories. Yeah. Because it's fun. Would you? I think I would with sort of the kind of caveats that you've been talking yeah. about. I definitely would recommend it to Tony Jordan. I think he would enjoy <laughs> it. <laughs> Got him! And on that note... <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of Pilot House. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Pilot House Pod. Visit our website, pilothousepodcast.com, or email us at pilothousepodcast at gmail.com to suggest future shows. Our podcast is entirely listener-supported, so thanks to our special guest stars, Jerome, CJ, Josh, Christopher, Tina, and Juniper. Visit patreon.com slash pilothouse to find out how you can become a series regular. Pilot House is a Herringbone Society production. Okay, if you're still listening, you're probably a hardcore Pallet House listener who was wondering where's the little post-credits sequence. Like, the bye already happened, but there's usually, like, a joke afterwards or something. Uh, we just didn't have one for this episode. Sorry. But also, I'm sorry for this episode being a week late because, you know, life happens sometimes, and this podcast is free. And as my grandma used to say, you get what you get, and you don't get upset. My grandma actually never said that. Ha ha! Conja! Yeah.